Welcome to On the Way with Tony Chris. Each weekday, Dr. Chris will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Chris. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is podcast number 59. Today, we're going to go to the north of Israel to the place called in the New Testament, Caesarea Philippi. Now, it is called that to distinguish it between Caesarea Maritime, which we've already talked about, which was built by Herod the Great and was the capital of the Roman Empire during the days of Jesus and the Apostle Paul that was over on the coast in the Roman province of Judea. But Caesarea Philippi was built by Herod the Great's son, Philip, who was granted after his death the northernmost part of what is Israel today up on the what we would call the Lebanese and Syrian border. Now, he had a couple of brothers that were very famous as well. One was Archelaus. Archelaus took the area, which is Judea today and Samaria. And uh, he didn't last very long and was deposed by uh, the Roman Caesar, but What we do know is his brother Antipas that Jesus called in the Gospel of Luke the fox. And he is the one who uh, founded, built Tiberias. He's the one that is probably best known by New Testament followers of Jesus as the one who imprisoned John the Baptist that John called out about a relationship, an adulterous and really from a family standpoint, incestuous relationship with his uh, family. Family member, And because of that, John lost his life and lost his head because Antipas had him killed and had him beheaded. But Philip is the brother that was to the north, and he built Caesarea Philippi. Now, the reason it's called Caesarea Philippi is to distinguish it between Caesarea Maritime, which was built by his father and is known as the capital of the Roman Empire of in uh, Judea during the days of Jesus. And of course, that's where Peter went and preached the gospel to Cornelius. It is where both uh, uh, not only Peter went there, but also Paul. And Paul gave his defense while in prison there before Felix and Festus, the Roman procurators and uh, governors during the days of the Apostle Paul. And so that's down on the coast and the coastal plain. But Caesarea Philippi is in the north and it occupies the place which was called Panias, P-A-N-I-S. Now, Panias was named after the Greek god Pan. He's the one, the shepherd god, as they called him, who was half goat and had the head and the body of a man from his torso up and then the body of a goat in his legs and his the rest of his body. And he played a flute, a wide, flat flute called to this day the Pan Flute. And that whole area where the water gushes out of the base of Mount Hermon was called Panyas. That's called Banyas today, B-A-N-I-A-S, which is a corruption of the Arabic language because the Arab tongue, that region, doesn't say a P-well. So instead of P, 
peaches, they will say beaches. And instead of uh, uh, people, they will say people. And this is part of why Istanbul is called Istanbul today instead of Histapul. And we'll talk about that in another podcast as well. But Banyas, or Panyas as it was called before being known uh, as it is today, is a very, very beautiful place. And tourists go there all the time because it is in this region in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16 where the scripture says when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Now, why would they have heard that and others saying about Jesus that he was like Elijah? Probably because of his miracles and the miraculous works that followed him everywhere he went. Some said Jeremiah. Why? Because Jesus was not known for his laughter. He was known for his sorrow. The prophet Isaiah said he is a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. Literally, grief was acquainted with him. But Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. He said in his prophecy, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain, for the lost of my people Israel. Or one of the other prophets, because as you know, Moses had said, God will send a prophet that he'll raise up after me. And of course, that was identical with the Messiah. And some say he might have been that prophet. They often ask that in the Gospels. Is this the prophet that Moses spoke of? But he said unto them, but who do you say that I am? Peter, Simon Peter answered him and said, you are the Christos, the anointed one. The Hebrew word for that is Mashiach. You're the anointed one, the, the promised one, the son of the living God. Simon Peter, Peter had two names, Simon Barjona, Simon John son, or Simon Johnson, son of John. Bar, it means um, a son. Ben in Hebrew means son. Simon, Johnson, Simon, son of John, Peter. Petros is the word for stone or rock. It's a, it's a movable rock. Some would say it's a gravel. Well, that's not necessarily so. It's any rock that is not bedrock that is movable. Sometimes it might refer to a many-ton stone or rock, but it's movable. It's not part of the bedrock. It's separated, and so therefore it can be moved, and most of the time it referred to a rock that would have been easier to move. And he said, Simon, you are Petros. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, that is, son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say unto you that you are Petros. You are a movable stone, and we know that Peter was movable. He was at times unstable. He was quick to speak and slow to think, just like many of us, as a matter of fact. And this didn't just happen before the filling of the Spirit, but after the filling of the Spirit, because the Apostle Paul said at Galatia, he was unstable enough that he was carried away with the Judaizers and began to act like that he was better than the Gentiles and separated himself like the Jews uh, were 
were doing during the days of the early church. And so Paul said, I rebuked him for that because he was still acting unstable even after he knew better. But he said, uh, Jesus said unto him, uh, Simon, you from now on are called Petros. Now, Petros is a Greek word. We see it sometimes written in the New Testament as Cephas, C-E-P-H-A-S. Cephas is the Aramaic word for stone, same word as Peter, only it's in Aramaic. And he said on this rock, and that's not the word Cephas in Aramaic, that's not the word Petros, that is is the word for Petra, which is bedrock. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, what was Jesus saying? Well, the Roman Catholics say, well, he's talking about the apostle Peter, that he's the rock and the foundation of the church. No, he's not. Peter himself, if we ask him, he will say that Jesus is the bedrock. Jesus is the cornerstone, not Peter. The church is not built on Peter or any pope or any papa or any man. He's built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, the son of God, the son of the living God, who is the Messiah. And uh, it's not built upon any doctrine. It's not built upon any confession. I'm glad that the church is not built upon my confession or any other confession because it would surely fall and would change with time. No, the Petra is Jesus himself. That's bedrock. You say, now, wait just a minute. That may be neuter. That may be feminine. doesn't matter what it is. There are some things that are by nature feminine and some by nature are masculine. For instance, God is always referred to in the masculine, but a city, for instance, or the earth is always referred to in the feminine. And that's where sometimes people refer to Mother Earth, and that doesn't mean they're New Age people. But when the Bible talks about the earth, it uses the feminine form. When it talks about city, it's talking about a walled city. There was no such thing as a city in the Bible and in ancient times that didn't have a wall. Otherwise, it was a village, a hamlet, a town, but it was not a city. A city always had a wall. And it was always referred to in the feminine form as the mother city. And as a matter of fact, outside of the city would have uh, been out from under the skirt of the wall. Still to this day, we talk about the outskirts of the city. What does that mean? That means those are outside the limit of the city, those who are outside the skirt of the city, and those that live outside the skirt of the mother city, always in feminine, will be referred to as daughters. And those daughters, those villages, those suburbs outside are always the ones that were attacked first when the enemy came and laid siege to the mother city. And so when Jesus was being taken out to be crucified outside of Jerusalem, on that way of suffering called the Via Dolorosa, not the one of the Roman Catholics or of anyone else, but the way that Jesus went out as he was being taken out. He said, weep not for me, but for the daughters of Jerusalem. He was not talking about the young teenage girls of Jerusalem or the daughters of Jerusalem in a physical sense. He was talking about those daughters, that is, those that lived outside the city. Why? Because the Roman army, under the leadership of Vespasian and later his son Titus, we call Titus, came in and totally destroyed the temple as Jesus said it would be done in 70 AD. And so Jesus said, uh, you need to weep for the daughters of Jerusalem 
those outskirts of the city because they will be the ones that will be hit the hardest first. And so that's what he was talking about. All to say that we're talking about the natural gender, the natural gender of something, whether it is rock, whether it is the earth, whether it is a city. And when you talk about bedrock, you're talking about uh, something that is always referring to not a necessarily a gender, but just the reality of what it is. And what Jesus said is not I am feminine or neutral or masculine. He said, I am the bedrock. And while the Bible is complete in all that God wants us to know, it is uh, for salvation. It is not complete in detail. So we don't, it's not a movie set. So it doesn't say interstage right, interstage left. And so there is no doubt in my mind, while he was having this conversation with Peter, he pointed to Peter, raised his hand to Peter and said, you're Petros. And then looked back to himself. He pointed back to himself and said, upon this Petra, referring to himself, the foundation of who he is, the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, what's the gates of hell? Well, if you have been out in evangelical life and in Southern Baptist life or in Assembly of God or Church of God, you've heard a whole lot of evangelists talk about storming the gates of hell. Well, let me just tell you, lost souls are not in hell. Lost souls are, and we're not, if they are in hell, we're not going to get them out of hell. Because once they're in hell, that's it. That's the final destination. But when a person is on this earth, what he's talking about is that the gates of hell, what are the gates of hell? Well, everyone in that area and in that era knew that the gates of hell was referring to what took place at Caesarea Philippi or Panias or Banyas today. You see, it was the center of pagan worship in the north. Mount Hermon itself was, and then beneath it was filled with shrines. And there was a great chasm, a great split in in the earth and where that split took place now it is filled in but the remains are there but once it was a great cavern and had water running through it so deep that no one could see it and it uh, what went in through that great cavern where a temple was built right up at the base of it where the altar would be back where the water and the great chasm and the and the huge crack in the earth was and they would come and make these sacrifices and they would throw these animal sacrifices into this great chasm and it took about 60 to 90 seconds but if if the sacrifice was rejected blood would come out in the stream below which many of you have seen and uh, to be rejected uh, and the sacrifice to be rejected was uh, was a curse in those days. And uh, so people were very anxious about offering their sacrifices. They would throw that in there and for 60 or 90 seconds, they would wait to see if blood came out. If it did, they were cursed. If it didn't, they were accepted. And so what happened was that period of time for 60 or 90 seconds of trauma was known. Remember, the area was called Panyas as a time of panic, uh, simply because because they were gripped with fear and trauma. And so it became known as being synonymous with every ism and schism and evil philosophy of the Greco-Roman world and with these temples and niches all over the place. And so it was equated with that which was anti-God, anti-God of the Bible, anti-monotheistic, anti-anything that would represent the Judeo morality and teaching of the true and the living God. 
And what Jesus was saying that day was simply this, Peter, you are movable, you are unstable, but I am stable. And upon the bedrock of who I am and what I do, there is no philosophy that can stand against who I am. There is no ism or schism that will ever be created that will stand against the truth of who I am. And so Peter got it, and he talked about it in First Peter, about the foundation and Jesus being the chief cornerstone upon which everything else is built. You see, as you walk through Israel and you walk on the way, then you are taught these things in a way that helps you to understand the historical, geographical, linguistic, cultural context of the Bible. That is why a trip to Israel, a study tour to Israel, was somebody who has been there, who knows the land, knows the Word of God, knows the people, knows the culture, is called the fifth gospel. Why? Because it makes the others make sense. I hope this has been a blessing to you as you walk on the way. I'm Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.